We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Matz and I write about the 49ers over at, say it with me, 49ers. Nope. Here we go. Over at NinersWire.com. <laughs> Somebody te- uh, tweeted at me and said that they couldn't find NinersWire.com. Um, it's come just in case anybody was confused. It's .com. How would you spell Joining that? me right now is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. Hey, Chris. Hey, Welcome to up? the intro. Thanks. Happy to uh, be here. I think it's, it's K-Y-E-E-M. Okay. Keem. I think. That's yeah, what I'm no, going that's, with. That sounds right. Mark Schofield is about to join us. He was terrific, as always. We talked to him after Trey Lance's first start. Had a great breakdown. And then wanted to talk to him again after the second start and see kind of the differences that um, that he saw in Lance's game between you know his his first start in Week Five in Arizona and then his start at home this past week against the Houston Texans. Mark is a writer for the NFL Wire. You can find his work at TouchdownWire.com. He also does some podcast work for Pat's Pulpit of SB Nation. Uh, he has his own YouTube channel. He does video work for blogging the boys also of SB nation. He is everywhere. Super smart football mind. Really enjoy talking to him. And he has uh, a ton of good stuff to say about, about Trey Lance's start. So let's get into it. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle and you're listening to candlestick Chronicles. Mark Schofield to a friend of the pod. Mark, we, we don't, well, Hey, how, how are you? I'm sorry. I was going to dive right in, but you're a friend. I'm not going to go business only. How are things? I, I'm doing well, Kyle. I appreciate you, you know, doing the, the skipping the formalities, uh, you know, sort of getting, you know, personal. Um, I'm doing well. How are you, man? How are you guys? Happy new year. Yeah. Happy new year. Uh, happy how long year. can you say happy new year for? Is it? Oh, although I, I think today's the last day. 
Because there's a there's a clip from Curb where Larry David is like at the gym, and somebody's like says Happy New Year. He's like, it's January sixth. No more Happy New Year. It's January third. Like that's the last day you can say Happy New Year. Like no more Happy New Year after January third. So I think this is the last day. Oh wait, no, it's the fourth. So I you can't even say Happy New Year. No more Happy New Year. Brutal. Scrap the whole thing. Scrap the whole thing. Start Start over. over, Re rack it. No more Happy New Years. Oh, right on. Uh, glad to hear you're doing well, man. Um, hopefully 2022 is better for everybody than, than 2021 was. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Let's, 2022 is a big year for the 49ers because it's very likely the year that Trey Lance is going to get the keys to the franchise. He got a start and a win against Houston. What was, before we kind of do a, a deeper dive, what were kind of your general takeaways from his his second start? I thought he played relatively well. I mean, I, I know that like you watched the first half, there were some reads, there were some throws, there were the interception and there were some mistakes, but I thought he really sort of settled into that game and really showed particularly in the second half, the reasons why, you know, the 49ers drafted him, where they drafted him, the arm talent, the explosiveness, you know, that he has throwing the football. I thought really sort of stood out. I thought generally speaking, there was improvement that you saw from him sort of reading the field and anticipating throwing lanes. You know, if you look at his game against Arizona, let his game, you know, against Houston, even in the first half when he sort of was struggling, you know, there were some throws that he made late in the first half on that sort of drive near before halftime where he's anticipated windows that he wasn't anticipating a couple of weeks ago when he had his first start. So in all, I was largely impressed with what he did as with all young quarterbacks, there were mistakes. There were things you could clean up. There were some opportunities perhaps to make some throws that, you know, he didn't quite make throws what he could have. Um, but that's to be expected with all young quarterbacks, whether it's Mac Jones, whether it's guys in their second, third years, you're going to see that. So in all, I thought it was a good performance. So I'm not going to claim to be a quarterback fundamentals expert, but in, in, you know, as a, as a layman or whatever I am, as somebody who covers the team, um, the, the thing that stands out about Trey Lance to me, aside from just the physical talent and just, just in terms of areas he needs to get better at, I like a lot of his movements aren't super efficient, right? Like it seems like whether it's his footwork, whether it's uh, I know early in the game on one of his first throws, he like goes to sort of scramble and leave the pocket when he doesn't necessarily need to. And and he ended up making a good play and finding Brandon Ayuk on, uh, after it seemed like he should have just hit George Kittle on a, on a pretty basic slant yeah. right early yeah. on. So just in terms of like those fundamentals and moving more efficiently, what, what are you seeing from him in that aspect and is it as much of a, a, a negative in his game that like, you know, the 49ers really need to worry about that in a way like to, to play the Rams? Does he really have a ton of work to do or, or does he have the physical tools to overcome some of that stuff? being that this could be his third start. Yeah, Chris, there's, there's certainly like a loudness to how he plays the position, both in pocket movement and his throwing mechanics generally. Although I thought his mechanics from a sort of throw in motion standpoint were actually improved, even, you know, just in the short time between the Arizona start and this game, I thought the throw in motion was tightened up a bit, but you know, that play you mentioned where he's got Kittle as the slot receiver on the left and there's a window to hit it. 
And I think he's worried about, cause there's a guy that's dropping underneath it. The safety breaks on it as well. So I think he's a little worried being backed up in his own territory about making a mistake, but then it's like you said, it's sort of very loud from there. It's wild pocket movement. It's I'm scrambling the way I'm not scrambling the way I'm kind of scrambling the way now I'm going to make a throw. I mean, there's that sort of loudness to his game, but I think, he needs to quiet down a bit, sort of quiet, subtle pocket movement and pocket manipulation will certainly help him. That's a sort of fine line that's like young athletic quarterbacks tend to struggle with. You know, I do a lot of work covering the Eagles and Jalen Hurts now in his second year. You see some of that from him. I mean, I saw a play similar to, similar, similar to this one from Lance that Hurts had on Sunday against Washington where he's caught between I'm going to just pull it down and scramble. No, wait, I can still find somebody downfield. And so, you know, it's a balancing act that he'll have to work on. Now, I, I think just generally speaking, these are sort of areas of refinement that are not really cause for concern right now. It's not a situation where you look at that and you think he's either not going to get it or he's not ready or anything like that. It's just he's learning those moments where you have to just make a throw or slide in the pocket or hitch up in the pocket and not start to scramble and sort of take yourself out of the pocket. Now suddenly you're running around in the end zone and you don't have blockers around you. And it's an even more precarious situation than the one you were just trying to avoid. And so I think it's something he'll learn. I don't think it's sort of something that makes me think you have to sit him down again. I don't think that if, if, you know, if Garoppolo still can't go, if the thumb's still an injury, I don't think he's looking at this and say, well, He's not the answer. I think it's just small little things that he's going to have to work on going forward. How many of those things do you think can be improved just by playing or can only be improved by playing? Because I know mean, there's the, certain yeah. mechanical things you can do in the offseason, but how much of it was like, man, this guy just hasn't played a ton of football in the last year and a half? Yeah, I mean, that's sort of, Kyle, that, that pocket feel part. Like, you can't really replicate that with tackling dummies, with coaches, you know, with, with sort of broomsticks or however they want to do it in their drills to try to replicate what it's like to hitch up and move and slide in the pocket. There's no duplicating that. There's nothing that you can do that will really come close to the feel of having a guy like Vaughn Miller on one side and Aaron Donald on the other, like breathing down your neck. Like, that's something you have to sort of learn and refine by playing. You're right. There are mechanical things and I, I do think that you know in the layoff between the Arizona start and the Houston start some mechanical work was done because the throw in motion seemed tighter seemed crisper I mean he's still a violent thrower generates a ton of torque you know we're recording this on Tuesday night and the the throw to Kittle late in the game has resurfaced on the timeline and it's my timeline right now is just that clip over and over and over again from the end zone view because Ben Baldwin pointed it out and you see the violence in that front left hip as he torques himself through the throw to help him get velocity. I mean, he still has that, but the upper body throw in motion is kind of cleaned up and tightened up. That's something you can do in the offseason. That's something you can do when you're not playing the game. And he certainly did that. But pocket management, pocket feel, that's something that you can only sort of refine and get better at taking live reps in games. Do you think that from what you've seen from Trey Lance, like if the 49ers go into the play, make the playoffs, whether they beat the Rams or or whether the saints lose, do you think Trey Lance is in a spot where he could go be competitive in a, in a wild card game on the road against a, you know, a division winner somewhere? Yeah, I think so. I, I think so. I, I think part of it is, and, and Chris Sims had a really good point about their offense with Trey Lance. It's in a weird way, a little bit safer. 
because of the areas of the field that he can attack as opposed to a Jimmy Garoppolo. When, you know, you're pushing throws to the boundary and you're pushing them deep, there's maybe one defender, maybe a second defender, but it's the sideline in a sense. And so you're not thrown underneath. You're not thrown into crowded throwing lanes where timing is so critical, where ball placement is so critical. And so I think that in a way makes this offense a tiny bit safer. I think Chris's point is very accurate. And I also think that there are throws that he's made, throws that he made against Houston on Sunday that, let's face it, Garoppolo is not going to make. I mean, the touchdown to Debo where he's rolling right, and you can see that underneath safety, just peel off Debo because he's like, there's no way. There's no way he's going to make this throw because maybe he's thinking it's Garoppolo because maybe he's thinking this is what we've studied in San Francisco. They're not throwing this route. Lance can throw that. You know, and Lance had hit that route for, for a touchdown. And so I, I think there are elements of the playbook that Lance's raw talent unlock for this offense that aren't really there with Garoppolo, seen what Garoppolo has done in this offense for so many years now. And so I think they could certainly be competitive with Trey Lance. Now, there are also moments when he's not making initial reads and throws that might make Kyle Shanahan a little bit concerned. Like, look, you know, if it's third and six, we've got double slants dialed up and that inside window is open. If he doesn't throw it, that could be a problem. At least we know Garoppolo is going to give us that. You combine that with what we can do in the run game, we'll be okay. I can understand that argument, but I see the areas of the field that are now available to the 49ers in the passing game, the explosiveness that you can generate in the passing game. and think there's something there with Lance. And so you could certainly tap into that. Of course, context. This is the Houston Texans we're talking about. It's not like he came out and did this against the Buffalo Bills or the Patriots or, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or any of the defenses that you might see in the postseason. So that context, I think, is important. You know, going to make your first playoff start on the road against a much better defense than you've seen, I think, is something to be considered. But from what I saw from Lance on Sunday, I still think the Niners could be competitive if he were to get a playoff start on the road. So I want to talk a little bit more about that kind of unlocking that deep passing game. I saw uh, ESPN next gen stats had it. Uh, it was their highest air yards per attempt and their most yards gained through the air in the last like three years. Yeah. That That's obviously good. You want to generate explosive plays in the passing game. Is there a negative element to that though, where he's missing some shorter, easier throws because he is looking to stretch the ball down the field? Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of depends on the given play. I mean, that yeah. Debo touchdown, right? He's got the shallow crosser, which was kind of covered. You know, if that route were open and he forced the Debo throw into true double coverage, and if it goes for a touchdown, still you might say, look, this is a process versus result situation. Yes, the result was great, but you've got the underneath crosser. Like, look, just just, just take it. And so I think that, you know, there are some play to play elements to consider in the context of those to consider. But generally speaking, you know, you'd like to stress defenses downfield. You'd like to generate explosive plays. But if you do see situation after situation, play after play arise where he's passing stuff up to take chances downfield, then, yeah, you know, you, you have to still. You know, sometimes a single, sometimes a double is okay. You know, you don't have to swing for the fences for every on every single throw. And so, you know, you watch the plays, you see, okay, well, on this one, on this Debo touchdown, okay, the shallow was kind of covered, so you go downfield, you know, that's okay. There were other throws where, yeah, you know, maybe he had something deeper downfield and whether, I mean, shallower, and whether it was situation, whether it was whatever reason, he decided, no, I'm going to go deep with this. You know, you, you kind of have to balance that out. But I think generally 
in this NFL and today's NFL, you want to be able to generate explosive plays. You want to be able to stretch teams downfield because the threat of that is also something to consider because defenses have to account for it. Defenses might feel like because of what Lance can do, because of his willingness to attack downfield, his aggressiveness to attack downfield, we have to play too deep. We can't bring that safety down into the box. And now if you're Kyle Shanahan, you see those two deep safeties, that's favorable run boxes to run into. And so that's something to be considered as well. And that's something I think Lance offers perhaps more than Garoppolo offers. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the running game because it, it seems to me, you know, watching Lance at North Dakota state, it seemed like, Oh, maybe this guy's like has a real Cam Newton element to his game where, you know, you can, you can run him a lot. And after getting, you know, some playing time this season, it doesn't really feel like he's he's going to have that dynamic. He might be able to, um, you know, take advantage of certain looks and, you know, certain zone reads if guys bite on running backs and he can certainly scramble and improvise given his athleticism. But to me, it doesn't really seem like he has the athleticism or or even just the the way he runs. Like there, there were a couple runs on Sunday that just seemed a little bit tentative, like he wasn't really willing to to go north and south as aggressively as he probably should and then he's taking some big hits from guys and it just he's not playing with the same level of force he did against you know uh division one double a or whatever that level is now yeah. um so how do you view trey lance in terms of how kyle shanahan can use him in the running game and is it do you do you think that going forward it's going to be that they actually dial it back in terms of what they do and, and maybe be more selective in yeah. terms of how they use them on the ground. Yeah, Chris, I, I think it's going to be a situation where you have to sort of pick your spots with it because studying him at NDSU, it was, uh, I felt a lot of times like that scene from major league, you know, with Willie Mays Hayes with a basket catch. It's like, you're going to run over a defender in the open field. That's great. Don't ever do it again. Like you can't, you can't do that in the NFL. And I think that's another part of the athleticism element that he's sort of balanced it out because he seemed a bit more aggressive when he was playing earlier in the season and then goes against Arizona, has to start, gets a little dinged up. Now you see him a bit more tentative. And so I think he's kind of learned, look, I've got to protect myself at times. And so maybe I can't take on guys open field. Maybe I can't be as aggressive. Maybe I can't get as north and south as I would like. And so I think they will sort of dial it back and be situational with it. I do think the best way to sort of use his athleticism is on some of those boot concepts where not only do you have the multiple level reads in the passing game, but now if you're that curl flat defender, you've got Lance rolling your way. You have to worry about him running the football. And so maybe you come downhill a little bit. Maybe there are times where, you know, they tell Lance, look, this is your first read. If it's there, throw it. Otherwise, just take it. If they're going to give you eight yards just rolling out and there's nobody home, take that. You know, we'll get them to start coming downhill on that. We'll get them to worry about and respect the threat of you as a runner. And then it'll open up that shallow crosser or that intermediate read when that curl flat defender in his own coverage situation comes downhill in response to seeing you roll out. And so I think, Chris, it'll be more situational. You know, there'll be some zone reads and things like that where, yeah, if you get a backside defensive end crashing downhill, take the six yards, slide, get back to the huddle. We'll play on second and four. Um, we'll do some of the stuff on the boot action and things like that. And yes, the scramble element, but, you know, it's not college. You know, you've got a, a an investment at the quarterback position that you need to be able to make sure we'll get be there in and out week after week. So there'll be a bit more situational with it going forward, I think. One of the things going into Sunday – with Lance starting over Garoppolo 
and just kind of when we found out Garoppolo got hurt, it was like I I personally felt no different about the 49ers chances. Like probably not going to make a playoff run, but they're probably not a team any anybody wants to play necessarily. Right. right. I still feel that way. Am I wrong to think that? Like or I just I think but the difference between Lance and Garoppolo is is obviously um stark in in different respects, but I did I just to me, the Niners feel a little bit like the same team in terms of um, being a being a playoff team. Yeah, I think that's generally right, Kyle, at least from where I sit in my view of it. I mean, we, we know what they kind of want to do. They want to lean their head a bit on the run game and the diversity with which they can attack you on the ground. They want to build stuff in off of that in the passing game, whether it's on the play action stuff, some of the boot action stuff, some of the ways they've used these two quarterbacks you know, over the past year with these two. And then we've seen Shanahan do with Garoppolo, you know, in the past. And so we know what they want to do. We know what they want to hand their hat on. Both of these quarterbacks do it a little bit differently, obviously with Garoppolo. I mean, I like to use the the boxer analogy a a lot. And with, with Garoppolo, he's very much the technician. You know, he's a technical fighter, whereas Lance right now is more of the like brawler, the haymaker. Like he might not connect with all of his punches, but when he connects with one, it's going to go like you're going to be down for the count. And so I, I think they're just two different stylistic quarterbacks right now, but generally speaking, the offense is going to be constructed in a way that, you know, Shannon is a smart play caller. He's going to cater things to their strength with, you know, Garoppolo, obviously there'll be a focus on the intermediate stuff and the underneath throwing lanes with Lance will open up some stuff in downfield passing game. And I think which whatever quarterback they decide to roll with, whether it's this week playoffs going forward, whatever, you know, there'll be a team that, like you said, Kyle, I don't think I don't think opponents want to see San Francisco. I mean, I think in the NFC, nobody wants to see anybody anyway. I think all the seven teams that are going to get in, you know, that there's an argument to be made that they could beat anybody on a given day, even if Philadelphia, you know, ends up to seven. I wouldn't want to play Philly with what they can do on the ground. And so, yeah, I mean, I think 49ers, they've got chances, punchers' chances with whichever quarterback they, they roll out going forward. So you, as somebody who studies the entire league, I'm, I'm sure you have a really good idea on what Jimmy Garoppolo's potential value could be this off season. And, and there are a bunch of different thoughts about this, right? Like do the 49ers try to trade him? Would he be amenable to a trade or would he ask to be released so he can go to a team of his choosing? Um, just if you were to assign like a draft, like if you were a GM in the league, and you needed a bridge quarterback and you weren't picking high enough or you didn't love any of the draft prospects coming out this year, where would you place your valuation on, on Garoppolo? What, what would you be willing to give up? I mean, I think what makes this uh, a bit of an easier, like I'll say this, I, I think a third makes sense. And I think a third makes sense because you look at this incoming quarterback class, like it's, it's not the group we saw last year. I mean, I think most general managers will probably say that, you know, the team that drafts a quarterback first in this group, the quarterback that comes off first as QB one might be player 25, player 30 on that team's overall big board. But because of the need of the position, teams are going to go earlier quarterback than they would at other positions. You know, you're not going to draft a linebacker and the fifth pick overall if he's player 30 on your board. But quarterback is something you might make an exception for because of the positional need. So that being said, like it's a different group. And so I think if I'm to use a hypothetical Cleveland and I've decided, we've decided, look, Baker is just not it. We need somebody to get us to the next guy. 
we're going to draft somebody maybe in 2023 or something like that, then yeah, you know, a third for Garoppolo to run that sort of Kevin Stefanski, very similar offense might make some sense. And so that's kind of where I'd put it. I mean, obviously teams will value it differently. Some teams will value maybe a little higher. Some teams might value it a little bit lower, but I think kind of the third is where I'd go with it, particularly with the incoming quarterback class and questions about that group. And, you know, obviously you've got guys like Aaron Rodgers potentially available and, you know, Russell Wilson via, via trade perhaps. And so that might skew the market as well. So I think off the cuff answer, a third makes sense. Uh, Last thing here for you, Mark, it, I, I personally, if I'm putting money down, I think Lance probably starts against the Rams. Can the 49ers beat them with, with the rookie under center? Because you mentioned he played really well against, against a bad Houston team. Right this Rams defense, a lot more talented, a lot better up front. Um, can they, can they win if he's starting? I think so. I mean, the weird thing is, you know, Shanahan seems to have McVay's number. I mean, for whatever reason. And so maybe the history there, what Garoppolo has done against some of these Rams defenses, maybe that's going to factor into play where Shanahan feels much more comfortable given that Garoppolo has experience against that defense has experience against those guys. And so if he's anywhere close to hundred percent, that's who he'll roll out there. But if it's, if it ends up Lance, I still think Lance can have success against them. I still think Lance could win that game. The issue might be though, will he make the big mistake, right? Cause you've got Jalen Ramsey lurking out there and could Ramsey bait him into an interception or something that swings the course of the game. And I think there is that potential. There's also that potential with Garoppolo. I think Lance's athleticism might come into play. You know, if he has to pull it down and scramble, if they get pressure with Miller or off the edge or, you know, Arnold up the middle, you know, Garoppolo, maybe not as athletic, maybe can't extend those plays where Lance has the ability to do that. And then you have a potential scramble draw situation in the secondary. So again, a little bit different stylistically into how those two quarterbacks could beat the Los Angeles Rams. Maybe the history plays into Shanahan's decision, but I think if it ends up being Lance, they can certainly still win this game. I, I think there are things that he can do. There are ways he can stress that defense, you know, and the other thing is, you know, that, that sort of too high school that, the Rams have you know, obviously with Staley leaving, you know, to become the Chargers head coach. It's not the same coaching staff in place, but that too high shell that the Rams like to use and other teams like to use, the threat of a quarterback as a runner is another way to sort of counteract that. You know, if you've got these light boxes, now you've got instead of plus one, you've got plus two in terms of just the numbers in the box because the quarterbacks are run threat that could help you in the run game. And so that could also be a reason why Lance gets a start. It could help lead San Francisco Fort Niners to win this game because of what he can do on the ground. And that would be right. wild. <laughs> like if Trey Lance goes down and gets the four, goes down to LA, wins that game, plays well and gets the 49ers to the playoffs. Like is, can you go back to Jimmy Garoppolo at that point? I don't think that you can at that point. Bananas talking point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think you can at that point. Um, and does that come into play? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's something to think about, I guess, you know, if he wins, I mean, the Garoppolo is stapled to the bench unless Lance gets hurt in the playoffs. The 49ers uh, quarterback content machine would, would start. I mean, you guys going to love it though. I mean, you <laughs> right. guys going to love it. Not complaining at all. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Like we've been doing it since March. What's another month? You know, what's another month of it, right? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> uh, Mark, this was terrific. Thanks so much, man. Thanks, Thanks so man. much guys. Always a blast. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, you just heard Mark Schofield, and I want to start with the boxing analogy he made about how Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of the tactical fighter and Trey Lance is more of the brawler, haymaker type guy. Right. And then when he was talking about, so put a pin in that briefly, when he was talking about the Niners in the playoffs, he's like the Niners and even the Eagles, really any team in the NFC has a puncher's chance against anybody. And to me, if you have a puncher's chance, don't you want a guy that's throwing haymakers? Like, aren't you trying to catch somebody <laughs> on the chin? That's all. Sure. Yeah, I, I so I understand like watching Trey Lance. I understand why you would like in this moment with 100 percent healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, trust Jimmy Garoppolo more. Right. But you also it's pretty clear, like the ceiling, like. The unknown here is how much better is Trey Lance going to get week to week, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think the steps we saw from week five to Sunday against Houston were pretty substantial, right? And Trey Lance hasn't started back-to-back games since 2019, right? So like, what, what are, what's that progression going to look like if he gets another full week of practice, if he was able to, go into the film room on Monday, have the quarterback meetings, talk about everything he needs to improve upon, do the install, practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with the starters again, building off what he already did. Like, what's that going to look like versus going back to the bench and being on ice for another few weeks or at least until the start of next season, if that ends up Mm -hmm. happening, right? So that's the unknown. But to me, like going back and rewatching, and we talked a little bit about it off air. Like it was pretty impressive for his second career start. Like in the context of it being his second career start, that was a really promising performance in the second half, right? Like the, the first half you could understand, like it was all a little bit disjointed. The entire offense was disjointed. It was very clear. He, at least early on, he didn't want to make a mistake. Um, and then he ended up making that mistake and in, in throwing the interception, but he also bounced back. And 
what what I what what stands out to me about Lance is just he's a confident guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's willing to let it rip, and he's not. You know, there are sometimes when when quarterbacks make mistakes, and then all of a sudden they're deer, deers in the headlights, right? Like Lance was not that guy, and as he got more comfortable, he was being more decisive. Does that decisiveness now translate into this next game if he's a starter after all of that time off, right? Like, I think that that factored into his slow start, obviously. And so it's just super intriguing to me to think about what the ceiling of the 49ers offense is with Trey Lance as a quarterback. And and I like the puncher's analogy. And, and you know, we I, I made one like Jimmy Garoppolo is the 280 hitter who will hit you know, 25 doubles and 10 to 15 homers and be somebody, you know, fine. You Mm -hmm. trust, but are you going to win? Are you going to win a ton of games with that type of guy in your lineup? Or are you going to win a game? Are you going to win more games with a guy who hits maybe 220, but can hit 35 or 40 homers and drive in a hundred guys. Right. And, And that to me is what Lance is. And so if you're, if you're just looking at the rest of the NFC, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's health is obviously the most important factor here when you're making that decision, because I will maintain as, as much of a proponent of Trey Lance as I've been, if Jimmy Garoppolo is a hundred percent healthy, you trust him more at this point than Trey Lance. Mm -hmm. The problem is Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be a hundred percent healthy. And we know what it looks like when Jimmy Garoppolo does not play healthy. And when you're talking about his throwing hand and, and even when he is healthy, the propensity he has to let passes get away from him and turn into terrible interceptions. That's, you know, that's kind of a scary thought in a do or die situation. And it's also scary thinking about a rookie quarterback making his third career start in a potential do or die situation. So it, there's no like awesome slam dunk. This is a thousand percent. The answer that we're a hundred percent confident in. It's like both decisions are, are pretty risky in their own right. So it's a really tough one to navigate, but if it's a toss up, like go with the young guy, man. Right. Right. That's, that's what I was going to say was if you think that 70% Jimmy Garoppolo and hundred percent Trey Lance are roughly the same player right now, why are you not giving Lance the additional start? Like, like, I know you're not looking ahead to next year already, but like, hey, if you're getting the same short-term benefit from both guys, there's a guy with long-term benefit attached as well. Right. So that's that's why I I just to me unless unless Garoppolo's ligament has relatched per the wording of Kyle Shanahan and has gotten stickier, um. I just Lance showed enough in the second half and I went back and rewatched it. The offense was so much more impressive. And I think too, more, maybe even more than, than Trey Lance was Kyle Shanahan's play calling in the second half and on that final drive of, of the first half. So I want to actually talk about that real quick because the Niners get the ball back after, after the Texans score the touchdown with like, a minute 40 left. I don't have the exact times in front of me, but they go three and out quickly and punt it back to the Texans. The Texans run a play 
and get to second and eight. And then the Niners get a sack for 11 yards and Shanahan calls a timeout with like a minute eight left. And then the Niners get the ball back with 38 seconds left and they come out throwing it in a way that, in a way that was like, whoa, this is not something they've ever done with, with Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't know if it was a sink or swim moment. Like, all right, Hey, we're throwing to the wolves. Like go make a play kid. But from that point on, the offense just looked like the 49ers offense with Jimmy Garoppolo, but Lance was at least to the layman. I'm sure that, you know, the playbook is pared way down and on all that, but um, it just looked like the Niners offense, but the quarterback was throwing the ball down the field with more tenacity. Right. And, and so oh, go ahead. And with Shanahan calling plays that way, I think the offense as a whole gets better and that benefits Lance. Right. So spinning it forward a little bit, like what does the offense look like if you have to play a 70 to 80% Jimmy Garoppolo versus hundred percent healthy Trey Lance, right? Mm-hmm. If it's Jimmy Garoppolo and he's healthy, you're running a lot of bubble screens. You're throwing a lot of short mm-hmm. passes. A lot of stuff is happening in the middle of the field between the numbers. He's consistently, you know, one of the his his a dot is consistently one of the one of the shortest in the league, right? Like his average at the target. He's just non aggressive quarterback. Some of that probably is Kyle Shanahan playing to his strengths and not necessarily mm-hmm. trusting him to throw those deep passes. And it can work, but it can also be a tough needle to thread. And this is when Garoppolo's healthy right so if he's more compromised it feels like you have to run the ball 40 times right and like if you go into a game totally absolutely needing to run the ball 40 times you're pretty limited in terms of like how the game script can go like if you fall behind by 14 points early like you're not you're gonna have a really hard time airing it out enough with with jimmy garoppolo in that circumstance to win the game Mm -hmm. whereas if it's Trey Lance playing and you mentioned it, and I think it's a great point in that you're running kind of the same offense, but all those deep, those deeper routes and those routes over the top that Jimmy Garoppolo typically doesn't, doesn't attack. Trey Lance is willing to make those throws and has the arm to make those throws. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, as Mark said, like maybe you're playing against lighter boxes now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you're able to run the ball more effectively because you don't have nine guys around the line of scrimmage like you do often when Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback. So, you know, is it is it easier to win with with all those short passes and and the need to run the ball heavily if Jimmy Garoppolo is compromised? Or do you just bite the bullet and say, man, you know, Trey Lance is is probably going to make a few mistakes in this game but the big play potential is something that that is just too enticing to pass up in this scenario with jimmy garoppolo dealing with an injury Mm -hmm. so that to me like just what the offense looks like and what you can do with trey lance and again we, we we've talked about it a lot too like just the whole idea that trey lance is largely unscouted like that can be a huge benefit to Kyle Shanahan because him and Mike McDaniel can be, they're probably drawing up plays right now. If they know Trey Lance is going to play that like they've never run with Jimmy Garoppolo and they've never put mm-hmm. on tape. 
and they can go deep into the bag and and bring out a lot of things that the Rams will have no answers for because they're not prepared for it. Right. So, but again, like the other side of that too is like the Rams are probably going to disguise every coverage they they put out there. And mm-hmm. how many of these coverages has Trey Lance ever seen? And how has he dealt with disguises in the past? Like this is completely diff- a completely different level of defense than, than he's ever gone against. Right. At least in, in terms of any broad sample size, right? Like, cause he didn't certainly didn't go against it in college. And he's going to go against, if he does play the two best defenders, he'll play right. And, and Aaron yeah, Donald right. and Jalen mm-hmm. Ramsey, not to mention Von Miller against potentially Tom Compton, <laughs> which is another thing, but, but again, in terms of dealing with pressure, like you'd probably rather have Trey Lance's athleticism against a good pass rush than Jimmy Garoppolo, who's largely going to be stationary in the pocket. So it's, yeah. a, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. It's a very, it's a fascinating decision. And I'm, I would love, I would love to give Kyle Shanahan some truth serum. Cause like this whole thing with the cloak and dagger quarterback stuff, it's, it is kind of hard to read because he has been so ins- insistent on Jimmy Garoppolo throughout the entire season that mm-hmm. like, I do believe him when he says Jimmy Garoppolo is our starter hundred percent. Totally. But I also believe that Shanahan did drop plays, you know, on the plane from Justin Fields pro day to North Dakota state to work out Trey. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, it's, it's just a, it's a fascinating situation and the game is going to be, is going to be really compelling. Yeah. Like it's, if Jimmy Garoppolo plays, which I mean, there's a, there's a very real chance of it. If he plays and doesn't play well, like it just, the backlash to that, I think is, is going to be dramatically more significant than if, Lance plays and they and they lose. The same argument can be made when you talk about like the Rams pass rush and okay, you probably want Lance's mobility, but you could also argue you want Garoppolo's ability to get rid of the football. And if you're going to be throwing a bunch of short passes anyways and doing stuff behind the line of scrimmage and screens and jet sweeps and stuff, that might just be as big of an advantage having a more expansive playbook to throw at LA. And yeah. that's not that's not a knock on on Trey Lance like um JT O'Sullivan of a rookie quarterback. Right. JT O'Sullivan was on the show I produced today and he talked about how every rookie quarterback has a pared down playbook at this point of the year. He's like he's like Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, you name it, like they have a pared down playbook. So that's not a knock on Trey Lance. I've said it a couple of times. I don't want it to come across like I'm like I'm ripping the guy. That's just what it is. I agree. I agree. Um, Jim Harbaugh, considering a trip uh, coming back to the NFL, your thoughts? Totally. <laughs> yeah, why not? Jags job is open. Yeah, I don't think he's taking the Jags job. Getting the band back together. It seems what like the it seems the, like the Raiders or Bears, right? Right. I was going to say rank the potential openings. Because, in terms of likelihood, Jim Harbaugh's a candidate or just an overall quality? 
just in uh, like if if you were going to say like hey this is the best spot to go it's got to be chicago right cuz you have justin fields and khalil mack and david yeah. montgomery yeah i would think so i mean it, it would just be a natural fit he played there he's a midwest guy right um, it's it's raiders bears giants i want nothing to do with the giants broncos Broncos have a good defense. Um, Are there any others? Nothing that's jumping off the top of my head right now. I mean, except for Jacksonville, maybe Carol, maybe Carolina, maybe Carolina. I don't think David Tepper would be a Jim Harbaugh guy. I think Tepper Tepper would prefer like a, like a homie, a a young up and comer. (laughs) Right. Um, No, I mean, I, I have very mixed opinions just in my own head about Jim Harbaugh because I understand what he did with the 49ers, but I also understand like when he left and it's not entirely his fault, but like the 49ers, it was almost like a nuclear bomb went off at the end of Jim Harbaugh's tenure there. Right. Because you remember like that whole season was just fraught with drama and again, Jim Harbaugh wasn't the only bad actor and all that stuff. I think it was a series of people who no one was really in a situation to stabilize things, whether it was Jed York or Trent Baalke or Jim Harbaugh. I think it was a bunch of sort of combustible personalities all trying to make it work and it didn't work. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people try to like, are you pro Harbaugh? Are you pro front office or whatever? I just think it was a bunch of people who were in, uh, in over their skis. Um, what Harbaugh did was super commendable because the 49ers hadn't won in a long time, but he also inherited a super talented roster with a lot of really good players on it. And it was Mm -hmm. the right, the right coach at the right time, but obviously it didn't have staying power. Right. And for a coach that was the perfect, and I'll admit, like I'm, I went to Ohio State. I very much enjoyed playing what? my my football team playing against Jim Harbaugh every year. So I, I'm fully admitting my bias here. Except for this year. But even then, it's like for it to be Go blue. Shout the out rivalry, the rivalry needed Michigan to win because with if like the rivalry's good when both teams are capable of winning. Right. It was an annual meeting. Right. It was it was getting to the point where it was like nationally, no one really cared about the rivalry because Michigan hadn't won in so long and it had been so lopsided. So like as much as it sucks to lose that game as an Ohio State fan, you like whatever. Now it now it there's there's a little bit more verve to the rivalry again. But it's just like it's problematic to me where it's like, okay, Jim Harbaugh finally does what he's supposed to do as a Michigan coach. And then you hear all the rumblings of him wanting out and wanting to go like this guy is just not not the model of stability right so if you're an nfl team and you want to turn it around and win now and be good for three years then i think jim harbaugh is your guy while you fully have to understand that there's a combustible nature to his personality and an abrasiveness that can just tear an organization apart no matter how much you win and you just have to be willing to accept that if you're going to make that hire. That doesn't mean he's a bad coach, and that doesn't mean he's not capable of winning. But also, like his record in big games does speak for itself. Um, 
and as I was reminded by our friend Tim Kawakami, getting to those big games is important. So um, I, mm-hmm. we do need to acknowledge that. But um, if you hire Jim Harbaugh, you're not getting somebody you're like, all right, there's a possibility that this guy is our coach for 15 years. That's just not happening. Yeah, that's why I think the Bears job is good because it's like, hey, that's a decent roster. They just need a good coach to help them get over the hump. I think right. they could do that. Yeah. Just keep was, Greg Roman far, Harbaugh far away here. from Justin Fields. I know Jim Harbaugh is like beloved by 49ers fans. Um, and I understand why, but he's, it's, I don't think it was a coincidence that like a lot of the good players retired and maybe a couple guys early and like all the off, off the field stuff. Like all I wanted to ask Patrick Willis. He was there. I wanted to ask Patrick Willis when he was on the pod. Go back and listen to that if you haven't. It was really, really good. Uh, I wanted to ask him that point blank, but I didn't have the stones. What were you Beta energy from me. What, what, what question specifically? Um, I wasn't going to be like, did you like Jim Harbaugh? But was going to ask if uh, his if his impact on the organization there at the end affected Willis's decision to retire. And yeah, he kind of I mean, answered that anyways, but I didn't put Harbaugh's name in it. Was it his last? I forget what year it was. It was either 13 or 14. They They played a preseason game on a Thursday in Baltimore. And then they had joint practices with the Ravens on like, like the weekend after the game. And it was like, I have no recollection of this. Yeah. And it was just very odd because it was like, I think that was coming off the Super Bowl year. And it was just, or no, maybe I forget when it was, but it was like the 49ers are clearly one of the best teams in the NFC. And they had a veteran laden team. And it was like Jim Harbaugh after a preseason game on a short week, they're practicing a couple days after. And I think it did not sit well with a lot of veterans in the room. Hmm. Right? And so there, there was all the, you know, and, and again, I'm not trying to absolve Jed York or Trent Baalke for anything that happened because I think it was it, everybody's to blame for, for how that whole thing blew up. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like there's one good side and one bad side. I think everybody was just kind of has have are are at fault at certain levels for for what happened. Can and, uh, we make it? Go ahead and finish. No, it's it's just hard. It's it's hard when that's the way you, when you're as competitive with everybody around you, not just like with your opponent, but with everybody, as Jim mm-hmm. Harbaugh is. It can that I think that it's has abrasive. A yeah. yeah. Uh, can we make a deal and make that the extent of the Jim Harbaugh content on this podcast for the year? You not want to save talk about for save save for potential. If he gets a job, we're talking old about. rush. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. If Jim Harbaugh gets hired by the Raiders, then we got to talk about be, it. He's re-signing at Michigan for twelve million a year or whatever they're going to pay him. We'll see. Leverage play, even mentioning the NFL. Come on. It could be, but it's like this guy moves around a lot. Totally. We just beat Ohio State. They got to, eh, maybe, I don't know. 
You could they look at it a few different ways. Waxed heard- in the CFP. Holy crap. Right. I heard Guy Haberman say it. You can make the case both ways. Like it could be a yep. great time to stay because you just beat Ohio State and you just went to the college football playoff and you have momentum. Or it could be a great time to leave because like do you think you're gonna win national championship next year? Like if you don't think you're gonna be better than you were this year, then mm-hmm. leaving at yeah. at the highest point of the program might not be a bad idea either. Boy, what a tangled web. I'll never Stay forget. locked into Candlestick Chronicles for all the latest Jim Harbaugh news and updates. I will. <laughs> I'll never forget the look Jim Harbaugh gave me at the uh, the very after the last game of 2014 when it was very clear he was going to Michigan. Him <laughs> and I never really had a one-on-one conversation. We talked in press conferences and stuff. But I go up to him in the locker room and I shake his hand. And I say, I just want to let you know. Like I don't know if you know this, but I went to Ohio State, and his facial expression just was like. I'll never forget it. It was it was like the very intense, like sort of quizzical, like, huh? <laughs> Not that he really cared about me at all, but it was just like sure. it, it was I just won't forget it. It was classic Jim Harbaugh, <laughs> a complete character. That it was, was we need to we need to end this podcast. It's gone on way too long, but okay. being at that game, I was at that game against Arizona. Uh, Frank Gore ran for a bunch of yards in his last game and did the lap around the stadium. I think Craig Dahl had the game ceiling interception. As Craig um, Dahl would. Uh, totally. Big, big. Uh, one of the five greatest Craig Dahl moments in 49ers history. <laughs> um, arguably the greatest, some say. Check out my pod, Craig Dahl Stick Chronicles. Um, for more info on that no but it was such a bizarre thing because it was like man this is frank gore's last game with the 49ers uh they got a win um but also like the head coach is going onto the field to shake the other coach's hand and he's like out the door like we're gonna get in the car on the way home and listen to his like farewell presser after it was weird it was super super strange that was one of the weirdest days I've had covering the team for sure. Totally. You want to get out of here now? Yeah. It, they they did sure. they did you the post game stuff else? and all the all the sure, interviews open is. locker room all that. We go up to the press box, we start writing and then the press release comes. Hang on, People pause. Agreed to part ways. Do we want to use this to tease an old rush later in the off season of that game? Oh, we could. Yeah, we could. And then just talk about the aftermath. So Old Rush, if you're unfamiliar, during the pandemic, Chris and I rewatched old 49ers games and talked about them on the pod. We're going to break that back open this offseason, and that would be a fun one to do. And we can get Kawakami and other people on who are around. Yeah, it'll be great. Absolutely. Okay, hell yeah. That sounds great. Absolutely. Subscribe, rate, and review. Get ready for that. Uh, We'll have another pod out Friday. Jordan Rodrigue of The Athletic going to join the pod this time, barring the Rams trading for Odell Beckham Jr., which is why she didn't come on last time. She was all set to go. And then I got a text an hour before we we're going to start. It was like, hey, I'm a little busy. <laughs> yeah, totally get it. So uh, she's going to join us this week. Watch for that on Friday. Thanks so much, guys.
This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.